Hey everyone, it's Amber Love, and you are listening to Vodka O'Clock Podcast from AmberUnmasked.com. Don't forget, you can sponsor the show on the website at Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash AmberUnmasked, and you can now sponsor monthly for as little as a dollar a month, but more is truly appreciated. And don't forget that today, um, my first mystery novel is out on the market. It's called Cardiac Arrest, and um, you can learn about that at AmberUnmasked.com as well. If you have any questions, uh, you can find me there. You can tweet to me at Elizabeth Amber. I'm pretty accessible. So uh, just let me know your thoughts. So today, um, I'm so happy to have my return guest, Amanda Chattel. She's my uh, relationship guru. And uh, we are posting this episode on St. Dwinwin Day, which is the Welsh celebration for the patron saint of lovers and also friendship. So uh, angry Amanda Chattel is here. <laughs> and I'm very angry as always. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I love having you on here. So it's awesome. So I don't know if you knew St. Dwinwin. No, I actually had to look it up because I had never heard of this. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, that was just a little factoid that I had learned from watching Psych, which was one of my all-time favorite TV shows. <laughs> I never um, saw it. There, yeah, there's a, a, you know, rich white, you know, man who is having an affair with his Latina housekeeper, who's, you know, of course, less than half his age. <laughs> and, um, of course. And uh, so there was something about a St. Dwinwin medal that, you know, they, they found on the scene or something like that. So I was like, I wonder when that is. And lo and behold, it is the day of our podcast. Perfect. And it's exciting that it actually... Um celebrates not just lovers but friendship friendship yeah so i think that's cool it's sort of like i guess the welsh version of valentine's day and you can give you know we talked about that before that you know valentine's is also you know it's never thought of as friends but then we started galentine's day and um you know so whoever is awesomely responsible for galentine's day as a tradition um which usually people do on the 13th on the 14th uh it's you know, it's good that we have these things and, you know, get to go out and unwind and relax and, you know, get drunk or eat chocolate or whatever your thing is. Or watch a lot of Netflix. Yes, which is generally what I do. This this will be, God, my first Valentine's in, I don't know, quite a long time that I'm not single. So, Well, I hope you take advantage of it and get a lot of nice prizes. Like, Yeah, I don't know. Like, I hate Valentine's. Oh, no, like, I hate it too, but I mean... I hope he brings over at least, you know, a nice expensive bottle of Cote d'Aron or something. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> so, you know, I don't know. I have no idea what to expect. Honey, you're listening. So, you know. <laughs> Give him a couple pay little attention. hints. Yeah, pay attention here. I don't like cliched gifts. How do you how do you feel about the gifts? Like, do you think that it's, uh, you know, one partner must buy the other partner chocolates and you know, flowers, like, how do you, how do you go on that? Um, well, to be honest, I don't like the whole gift thing for Valentine's Day. Um, number one, I do not like roses. I think they're the most boring, conventional flower in the world. Yeah. So I don't want flowers. I don't want any cheap candies that are in a heart shaped box. That's just, well, it's usually terrible chocolate. Yeah. Always terrible. And I'll go through the whole thing and take like a bite of each one to find at least one that tastes good. Um, I mean, so that's actually like a highlight, to be honest. But I don't believe that, you know, somebody should I don't believe that gifts should be exchanged in general, unless it's like something cutesy, like you made them like a little mix CD or, you know, little what uh, somebody mentioned to me that they give their partner um, coupons for like different sexual things that they'll do. And it's like a little coupon book that the partner can use for like any other time going forward. Like, Oh, okay. Now we're going to do the uh, doggy style or we're going to do the special blow job with the chocolate sauce or that type of thing, which I think is fun. But other than that, I just think, I mean, I don't celebrate Valentine's day, but um, if I did, I'd say just dinner and homemade gifts are the way to go. That's cool. Yeah, dinner is always good. Um, finding a quiet place for dinner 
if you can. Um, and I take it back. It's not that I don't like roses. I don't like red roses just because they generally it's they have to be such a good quality. It's sort of like when you get bad jewelry, like cheap, cheap, tacky jewelry, like flowers are the same way. Like you can tell when something is like terrible cheap flowers or something because red roses that you get from the guy who's coming out in the street to clean your windshield they're just crappy looking so i love flowers i love flowers so i'm really you know when they're uh, when it's a beautiful just small bouquet and the colors that i like and then i'm happy yes i totally agree so find out what the person, you know, likes, actually likes, because they might not like flowers or they may be terribly allergic, because I remember one time getting a big thing of flowers and sneezing my head off, and that was no fun. Really? What kind of flowers were they? It was um, back when I was married. My mother-in-law had sent me, I think, flowers when I had surgery or my birthday or something. And the freaking florist, it was, you know, whatever, it was one of those big chains where then they hire a local person. Like, I don't know if it was pro flowers or one 800 flowers, whatever it was. Um, they put freaking like goldenrod in it, which what? is everybody's allergic it, to that. Isn't it? Seriously. It's like, it's a weed that grows on the side of the road everywhere in New Jersey and everybody's allergic to it. And it was like, yes, it's a beautiful color. It should never be in a bouquet of flowers. No, never, ever. Yeah, so I was just like, oh, my God, I can't even have this in the house. I couldn't even just, like, pluck them out. It was – by then it was too late. And I already live on tons of Benadryl because anybody who reads my blogs knows that I'm allergic to a tremendous amount of crap. So <laughs> it's just – you know, it's like anything to make my life easier is what I appreciate. Um, but, you know, how – how do you feel, though, about the gift exchange for, like, gay couples or poly couples, something that's not traditional? Do you – how do you think that Valentine's Day is handled for the, you know, non-Hallmark crowd? Well, I have um, – a couple of my close friends are gay, and they always just do – they never do a gift exchange. They always do dinner. Um, and then I have one friend who is polyamorous, and they – do like uh they do usually do like a potluck type of thing but I most people I know like at this age like once you get into your like 30s and 40s it's kind of like you know the gift exchange thing is more 20s I think personally I mean just what I'm granted I'm you know I'm just basing this on my group of friends um although I do have a very rich friend who every Valentine's Day her husband gets her something from Cartier but that's a completely different world. Mm-hmm. That is a different world. Yeah. Yeah. I actually um I it was a long time ago uh knew somebody who was as you know a student and literally as poor as you can be as a student and what he did for Christmas one time was he went to all of those Ritzy stores in New York and asked them if he could just have like Um, an empty box or a bag and because he couldn't afford anything else. And he just like gave people these pretty boxes, these pretty empty boxes. And was just like, you know, this is all that I could afford from, you know, from Cartier and Tiffany's and, you know, because everybody loves the Tiffany blue box. Oh yeah, of course. But um, it was, it was like charming. That is really charming. That's adorable. Yeah. So I, yeah, so I I agree, though. It's definitely exciting if it's, like, your first love, especially. Mm-hmm. But at a certain point, you know, like, when you've been through the ringer a bunch of times, you're kind of like, I need you to show me love every day, not this, like. <laughs> exactly. Like, I'm actually yeah. working on an article um, this afternoon about why you shouldn't celebrate Valentine's Day, because you shouldn't have to have a specific day where, okay, we're going to go out and have a fancy dinner. Like, why can't you do that? Like any night of the week or, you know, give them the fancy chocolates or tell them that you love them and write a love poem or something like that should be like everyday type of stuff. I don't think we need Valentine's day. And I think Valentine's day is just an excuse to, you know, take advantage of couples who are in love and overcharge for everything. And it's just, Never, never, ever get engaged on Valentine's oh, Day. Oh, you do realize how many people will get engaged on yeah. Valentine's Day. Oh, yeah, because I was on Instagram during the, you know, Christmas holidays and saw all the Christmas engagement pictures. I'm like, oh, people, no. 
Well, they say that um, I was reading a study recently that said the biggest time for engagements is Thanksgiving through New Year's. And then there's like a lull for the month of January. And then Valentine's Day skyrockets again. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, because January, everybody's like trying to recover and pay their credit card bills from the holidays. And there's no there's no romantic day except we're now we're talking about St. Dwinwin Day that nobody else you know has normally heard about. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you just would typically wait until Valentine's Day. And unless that is some other significant date, like February 14th means something else to you, I would avoid it. Yeah, I agree. It's so cliche. It's just. And it's really hard to get freaking dinner reservations anyway. Yeah, it is. So, I mean, if you're going to do dinner, I suggest staying in and making dinner, which is far more romantic in my book. It is pretty romantic. And, you know, and if it turns out like crap, you can always just order pizza or something. Exactly. And who doesn't love pizza? Yeah. So how do you feel talking about gifts, though? Like, what is the etiquette of giving a sex toy as a present? Um... I'd have to say, well, I always, give, <laughs> I always give sex toys. I mean, I give sex toys as presents to my friends, you know, lovers, boyfriends, former husband, whatever. Um, I think that as long as you know that that person isn't going to feel weird or embarrassed, I think that, you know, you should go for it. I, I do think that you know, you need to be sort of mindful about what their comfort zone is. I, as much as you might want to try like pegging with your partner, I don't think that for Valentine's Day, you should go out and get like the whole like harness and the dildo and bring it home and give it to like your male partner and be like, okay, so this is, this is my gift for you. This is what I want to do. I think that as long as you stay within their comfort zone and what you know that they prefer and you respect those boundaries. I think anything goes to be honest when it comes to giving a sex toy. Cause I know that there are um, sex toy parties now that are usually specified as like women only parties, sort of like the, it's the new version of the Tupperware party where they, you know, somebody comes and does a, a demo, if you will, a G rated demo, I guess. Um, <laughs> of the toys and you can order them and you, you know, you get to learn about, you know, what lubes are safe for which product because those are different and allergies once again, or, you know, that kind of thing. So I guess that's sort of a way to make it a social event to try and get people more comfortable and less um, self-conscious. Yeah. I've heard about these um, sex toy parties. I've never actually been to one. Um, the majority of the sex toys I get just show up at my door uh, like yesterday, I got a huge, <laughs> gigantic heart-shaped box from Trojan, just filled with like vibrators and lubes and condoms and cock rings and all this stuff in the hopes that like I'll try it out and write about it. So like once or twice a week, I get all these uh, sex toys. And a lot of them just actually sit on my kitchen table. And when friends come over, I'm like, need another vibrator? Because here you go. Um, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, these are benefits of when you're a sex blogger. Yeah, and for some reason, I get two of everything almost all the time. Like, what am I? They probably want you to do a giveaway. That's why. Yeah, so yeah. I always end up. I don't do an official giveaway. It's more like, oh, you want this? It's a two hundred and fifty dollar vibrator, and oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me have it. I want. I want it. So yeah, I, I think it's great that there are parties, especially for women who haven't embraced the fact that sex toys are so beneficial like whether you're masturbating or you're having sex with your partner like it just brings an extra something to the situation especially because um when it comes to vibrators 75 percent well they say it's between 70 and 75 percent of women need clitoral stimulation to orgasm anyways so you know I think with a lot of positions you need a vibrator if you want to you know come yes so anything that again makes it more pleasant, pleasurable, maybe even easier depending on your situation. Like I'm not flexible, <laughs> you know, yeah. like I look at some of these pictures in the articles and I'm like, are you joking? Like for real? Yes. Yeah, some of those <laughs> positions are a little much, but I find that like when I do doggy, which is one of my favorite, like having a vibrator is, 
ideal because even if my partner reaches around to the front I think because I'm such a vibrator girl um I need that vibrator there I need that hardcore vibration to make it as magical as possible yeah and it's and again it's not even just like your flexibility but it's them it's like how you know like how long are your arms you know yeah it's true (laughs) very very true so um are you going to be getting together with friends, you know, during, you know, for Galentine's Day or anything like you, you know, have done in the past? Uh, no, I'm actually not going to be doing that. I, on Valentine's Day, I will be on a train up to Boston because I'm leaving for Costa Rica two days later. So I will be spending it with my parents and okay. my dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I've spent plenty of, you know, plenty of Valentine's or whatever holidays just, you know, with my DVD collection or Netflix, you know, like when like I it took me, I'm sorry, I'm slow and I'm old, but I didn't know Netflix and chill actually meant something else. Like to me, I was always Netflix and chill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that for a while when I heard people saying that I couldn't figure because I don't like the word chill being used like oh you want to come over and chill I don't like chill in that way so I yeah, couldn't I understand why people kept saying oh we're going to Netflix and chill or you know he came over and we had watched Netflix and chilled and then I finally like started picking up on like this must mean something else so I actually I actually googled it just this past summer and I was like wow I'm completely out of the loop completely out of the loop yeah yeah i to me chill means chill and relax but i also don't like when people intend to ask you on a date and call it let's hang out fuck you be clear yeah (laughs) it should be you want to go on a date not oh you want to hang out yeah i don't that annoys me it annoys me a lot um if you truly just want to hang out to get to know the person and then see if dating is possible then fine call it hanging out yeah if you intend it to be a date just say it yeah. yeah that's and I feel like we've gotten so lax in the way that we refer to, like, the people that we're dating. And when I'll ask friends, like, oh, so are you guys dating? Their response, like, nine times out of ten is, yeah, I mean, we're hanging out. Right. Yeah. That's, um, it was something that I read in an article recently where um, I guess it's trendy to reject the labels boyfriend and girlfriend. And I always felt dumb saying them over a certain age anyway I think it was after you know like my divorce I was like once you've been married and said the word husband or wife to go back to saying the word boyfriend or girlfriend no matter how old you are I think just it to me it felt awkward coming out of my mouth yeah it does I totally agree you know so now it's like now I feel really weird saying it but it's you know but to say partner to me because now we have, uh, you know, a, a situation where where we can have marriage equality, and that's generally a term used for same-sex couples or non-binary couples, whatever. But now, so if I say partner, I feel like that's wrong too because we're not married. See, I still love partner. Like before I got married, I referred to Olivier as my partner. Um, I think if I now that that relationship is over um once I start dating somebody I mean dating them seriously I would still use partner um because I see it as a partnership no matter you know yeah I well I to me it's like I think I've always if it's not marriage related I've only ever heard partner paired with the word sexual like sexual partner oh yeah I didn't I've yeah I don't think I've heard that that much I always just hear partner so I'm you know, so it's one of those things where it's like, well, and now with even with domestic violence laws, they don't even say that anymore. They they say um, intimate partner violence. So it's like, OK, so we're throwing the word partner around again. And it's like I want it to have a positive connotation. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But I also like um, significant other or like S.O., SO is nice and short. Yeah. yeah, which I think works. And it could be for a married couple or a single couple. And, you know, sounds good to me. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's that was a new thing that I had read about um, about labels. And I know uh, it, because it's funny. I mean, it's funny to just be like, yeah, well, my boyfriend and his wife. <laughs> like, like the weird times we live in. <laughs> Um, but you know, Hey, whatever language, language is fun. 
Yeah, or you could um, just call them your buddy or your fuck buddy or this is the person I'm in love with. This is the person yeah. I'm spending my quality time with right now. And when I'm bored with them, I'll move on to the next person that I will spend my quality time with. Yeah, I would definitely prefer partner over lover, though. To me, lover is like... Oh, God, I can't do lover. I just can't. No. Like, no, that sounds like a 1960s soap opera or something. No, it does. But it's interesting because since I spend so much time in Europe throughout the year, like they lover is that's how they refer to. I mean, they don't do boyfriend and girlfriend. It's lover. Ah, okay. Which, Didn't realize. That. Yeah. So, but I think that the difference is as Americans, we come from a sort of, you know, blame the Puritans for so much of our like hangups with sex and love and all that stuff. But over there, I mean, they just throw that word around. Oh, well, my lover. I've taken a lover. Yes. Yes. Which you could also do typically when you were married anyway. At least the men could. Oh, yeah, yeah. That That's totally accepted behavior. I mean, it's not even, it's not even a stereotype. That is <laughs> yeah. totally, that's just how it goes. Well, wasn't it like one of the, is it Italy's like, like president or something or parliament? Oh, I can't even think of it. I'm pretty sure it was in Italy, though, where it's like the person that he is with at every function is not his legal wife. <laughs> yeah, actually, you're right. I think it is Italy. Yeah. And I think that's pretty cool. And then, you know, of course, we have Camilla Parker Bowles and, um, you know, what's his face? Yes. Prince Charles. Exactly. So, Those two. Yeah. They, they'll never get married, will they? Um, and I, I don't think he's allowed to. Right. I thought they did. Are they married? Yeah, I thought they did. I thought they had to, I don't know. I know it was like a process of like what was allowed. And, and like even him being divorced was, you know, had to be a whole thing. Yeah, that's true. Um, even for Fergie, because they were, you know, they had to figure out like what her title would be and like odd shit like that. God. That was interesting. But um, yeah, I don't have those problems as, as not being royalty. Yeah, I don't have that problem either. Although my my soon to be ex husband um, technically was a count, mm. um, so if I had taken his last name, I could have been a countess. But there's no way I was going to take his last name. I mean, is that a thing? Like, do you have to do that? You know, in France? No, you don't. You don't have to. Um, I mean, if you want to get, because his family came from a long line of like uh, being counts and countesses, and so. To marry a count, I could have taken that, but um, you have to take the last name in order to get that title. Okay, yeah, that makes sense, because I'm sure then they want, like, lineage and whatnot. Exactly. So, but I love my last name, and my last name ends with me, like, for this, like, line of the Chattel family. And my sister, when she got married, of course, she's a little different than I am, so she took her husband's last name. I just, I'll never do it, even if it means, like, not having a countess. That would be a tough call, because I always swore I would never do it again. But if it meant I could be a countess, would I do it? God, that's tough. Well, my husband said that technically I could do Amanda Chattel countess, and then his last name. Um, but his last name, which I'm not going to say to protect his identity, um, sure. is a very, very long French name like there's a de la in there there's like one last name a de la and then another last name yeah so it just gets even longer and longer yeah so my name it would take me like 30 seconds to say my name mm -hmm. and I I don't need that yeah I like things nice and fast like the rest of New York yeah supposedly we have royalty like a, you know bajillion you know generations back but they certainly never trickled down to anything. Let me put it that way. I mean, you could start, you could start calling yourself something just for the hell of it. Well, yeah. Well, my mom and her cousin used to do that. They used to say that they they were princesses. Yeah. So there you go. You could be a princess, a prin princess, a princess, a countess, whatever. Yeah. Or you just yeah. You can change your name. Like people that are named Prince. Apparently, I have an aunt whose middle name was Prince. Really. I thought that's the coolest thing that ever. That is really cool. Yeah. Um, but while we're talking of, like, hookups and hangouts and whatever chill means, um, <laughs> so how do, you, how do you feel about hookups with exes? Or, you know, 
I was specifically thinking of like a hookup and not getting back like a relationship, but just a hookup. Like Valentine's is approaching, people might be feeling sad. I don't know. Um. Okay. I personally, I obviously, you know, as I think many of us have done, I have hooked up with an ex, but I think the only time you can actually do that is if your feelings for that person are gone. Like, you know that you can have a really great night of like laughing and sex and maybe eating pizza in bed. And if you think that you can do that and then walk away the next morning and not feel like guilty or sad or want to get back together with them or realize that you have all these like flood, like a flood of emotions coming back, um, then go for it. But, uh, yeah, if you, if you're still hooked on that person, it is probably a really bad idea. And on Valentine's day, just because you're lonely and you know that that person's single and you have like a bunch of drinks cause you're out with your girlfriends and then you text them looking to get laid. I just think that that's a bad idea. I, I, as long as you are confident in who you are, what you want, where your emotions are, go for it. Otherwise you're just asking for more, you know, heartache and drama. Do you get a lot of people that write to you with, you know, advice, looking for advice like that? Like, Oh, my, my boyfriend just came back from college and blah, blah, blah. And should we get together? I actually do sometimes, uh, depending on, I usually get people email me for advice, um, based on like a particular article. And it's funny because they're not really, they're asking for advice, but at the same time, basically telling me their life story, which I always find really fascinating. But at the same time, I can't imagine emailing somebody and telling them my life story. But I guess maybe it's because my life story is already out on the internet for everybody to read. Um, and I always, you know, try to give them honest, you know, feedback about what I think they should do, but always end it with, you have to go with your gut and, you know, just take this advice with a grain of salt because I don't know you intimately. I can't see in your head. And you always have to figure that when people are emailing a stranger, they're either completely and totally bearing their soul or they're holding back a bit. So you really, you don't know who is asking the advice. So I think you have to have them look and look at it from both directions or perspectives, I guess. And at least we know that you are a real genuine person who writes your own stuff. <laughs> yeah. Where, you know, because it's like, it, it's this sort of, I don't know if it's just a tradition or whatever in, in writing, especially like going back to newspaper columns, um, that the advice columns, you didn't, you didn't know who was writing them. It was just, they took somebody's photo and made up a name. And, you know, it could have been some 80-year-old guy writing, <laughs> writing the article. Yeah, exactly. But, no, I'm definitely a real person. And whenever anybody emails me, I always, always, always respond. And my one of the big things that I do is if I'm super busy, I respond to that. The second I get the email, I respond and I say, I'm really busy at the moment, but I promise to get back to you the next couple of days. That is, I, there's never been an email that I won't respond to except for um, creepy guys. Creepy guys like, you know, oh, I want to know if my penis is the right shape. Can I send you a photo? That's something <laughs> who immediately gets blocked because I just. Yeah, no. Yeah. No, no, no. Not playing that game anymore. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I never played that game, but like I've gotten to a point where my, my tolerance for trolls and my tolerance for being subjected to that stuff is just, I'm done. I'm so done I just say immediately get blocked. Anything on Twitter, anything that comes in on my writer's Facebook page, block, 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 block. Yeah, I actually had somebody send me through Facebook a dick pic, and it was not somebody on my friends list, nobody with mutual friends or anything. Um, so random stranger in my Facebook email. And because it was the, the email part and not posted to my wall, which my wall I have locked, so nobody can post anyway. Um, so it wasn't in a comment or anything for, for the world to see. Facebook says that's not a violation of their terms. <laughs> it's like, I don't know this person. Are you serious? You get yeah. being sent a, a dick photo isn't a violation? 
not a violation of Facebook's rules. But if you were to post a picture of your own boobs, that's a violation. Or, you know, whatever. If your shirt is too, I don't know, skimpy or something. But dick pics in Facebook are apparently allowed. Please know I will block you. Yeah, I'm... um, Facebook has really aggravated me recently. I mean, it's always aggravated me. But it actually, a couple days ago, I was having a hard time uploading recent articles that I had written. One was about um, BDSM and one was about... I mean, just like a regular, like, oh, what do you do with your hands during sex? And one was about anal sex. And there was a couple of days in a row where I couldn't even post my articles. They kept saying, I kept getting a response saying that uh, they went against the guidelines. So I finally had to send a message to the help center and ask them, you know, what is the problem here? Like, we don't have any pornographic photos attached. It's giving advice. It's not bothering anybody like I have something on my Facebook page that you have to be well I have it at 15 because you know 15 year olds need to know about sex especially because I write a lot about sex education and they finally I don't know what they did but I was finally able to post those particular articles but it's just it's just too much and when I try to like boost certain articles if in any way it has like anything to do with sex they just they won't do it I think I tried that once too. And um, because mind you, I know that it's basically, I don't know, there's, there's sort of a, a, I've heard mixed reviews. I've only heard one person say that Facebook advertising actually worked for them. And it was a writer who was making his living and he can, he attributed a lot of it to the ads he got on Facebook. Everybody else I've heard says, because Facebook doesn't show people your posts, that it's a waste of money and it all goes to click farms and it's, you know, I, like if you see your insights, mine are in like Guatemala and Ethiopia or something. And it's like, because like Facebook, please send my post to the people who have clicked like. Yeah, you know? I've noticed that yeah. too. And I've actually, um, in the past couple of weeks, I was being, I'm assuming they were spam bots, but they were coming in like rapid fire. All these men from Pakistan and Afghanistan and India and Abu Dhabi, like all that, like the Middle East and like some of Asia. And it didn't make any sense because my demographic, of course, I'm not against like men anywhere in the world reading my stuff, but it was just, I was being infiltrated. And all of these guys were sending me messages, which I think were spam messages with like one line that said, hi, would you look at my dick? So what I did do is just for the time being, I blocked, because it was the same four or five countries, I blocked all those countries um, just so whatever was happening, it would stop. Because I'd wake up every morning and be like another 15 or 20 people had followed me, men, um, from these particular countries. It's, they don't, Facebook doesn't look at your demographic. My demographic is girls between like 15, you know, up through their 50s, and basically women like I'm writing to for women and I feel that when men read my stuff they immediately think that I'm some sort of like easy little whore that they can talk dirty to and send photos to and I mean I wish I were a whore because they make a shit ton of money but I just I don't need that harassment I really don't have you actually gotten to try out any of the mobile apps things like um i mean because i have no idea when people talk about swiping like the whole tinder grinder whatever the fuck's out there shit (laughs) i don't even know what any of that means because i don't use it um i'm one of the like i'm way too concerned with my my privacy and my phone being like i like running out of space and everything. Like for me, the fact that when I installed Instagram, that took me like a year to make the decision to install Instagram. Really? Even for Instagram? Yeah. Yeah. I was just like, you know, I don't know. And so now I have, now I have it and I have fun with it, but I was looking up these other apps that are out there. Things like um, quiver, which is for matchmaking where it, they, they call it a game where you can be the matchmaker or you can be a, I guess, a player, you know, and people who know you would then recommend you to another person as a match. 
And then there's, it's made by the same company that makes Couple, which is supposed to be for instant messaging with your partner, with just one person. You can share calendars. You can share lists. You can, like, doodle and stuff. And there's, um, there's another one called Avocado, which does the exact same thing. So I looked at the ratings of these, and, it, you know, I started to read some reviews, and there was just a lot of, like, bad programming, like software problems. Like, okay, so even if your features and your ideas are really cute and adorable, the fact that you have bad reviews for your programming <laughs> makes me just question everything. But I can't imagine that if, I mean, the fact that um, whenever you download an app, it makes you, or, you know, use Facebook or use anything, it makes you agree to, oh, they, you know, like Facebook has that thing where it must have access to your microphone and your camera. And it's like, well, that's so that you can upload pictures or so you can upload videos. That's what that means. But it's, it, the terms of service just sound terrifying for everything in, in my book. So I haven't tried any of these apps, but I know that that's like the new thing for relationships. So if I was wondering if you had any experience or knowledge about any of them. Uh, no, I actually, I write about dating apps quite a bit um, because I know that they are extremely popular, but personally I haven't tried any dating apps. Um, I've never tried online dating. I've never done any of that because I live in a fantasy world where I'm going to meet somebody organically, um, which is actually how I met, my husband and my relationship before that. So I've never, I don't know. It bothers me that number one, it's like a catalog They're you know, swiping, swiping, swiping. Uh, I guess they do. They swipe left on Tinder and then they swipe right. If they like, if they think you're attractive. Um, I just, I don't like to be thought of as a face in a catalog. And as for the ones that have matchmaking, there's no way that I would let my friends pick a match for me because the few times that I've been set up by my friends, it's always been a disaster. The problem is they think they know what I like. And then I realize, my God, you guys have no fucking clue what I like. So yeah, I know that they work for some people, but I just, I don't think that I'm the type of person that would really excel. Like, I'm not very photogenic. Um, I'm kind of, I mean, I'm not kind of, I'm extremely sarcastic and I'm extremely dry. So any type of information that I would put up about me as like a little bio is just, it. it's going to come off like I'm a bitch when I'm not a bitch. I'm just naturally very sarcastic and so I, I just and don't I, think it would yeah, work. Yeah, I, I think coming off like a bitch is one of those things where when you know yourself and your wants and your needs enough and you spell them out that it terrifies the person reading it because I did that in a in a letter I had um you know listened to Polly Weekly I'll, I'll admit where I got it from uh where she Cunning Minks the host talks about making your relationship manual and your user guide like this is the user guide for me like if I were if you were to date me this is what it takes and so I did that to somebody once I was like you know what I've spent days thinking about this and this is what I want. And I spelled it all out in an email and he was like, nope, not doing it. And that was it. And I was like, okay then. Yeah. See, I don't know. Like when you're blunt and you know yourself, it's, you're just not, they can't fix you and mold you into something else. Exactly. And there've also been like some really depressing studies that show that men of all ages the prime age that they're looking for when they're, you know, doing all those apps and online dating is 23. Oh, of course. Yeah. And that's, I mean, come on, 23. Like if you're a man in your forties or fifties, what, I mean, aside from sex, what could you possibly do with a 23 year old girl? What could you possibly talk about? You have all this amazing life experience and she just got out of college and I'm not knocking 23 year old girls. They are, they're great and wonderful in their own right, but but it's just we're talking two completely different, you know, generations. Yeah. I mean, actually, when if you're talking like a 23 year old and a guy in his 50s, that's not just two generations. That's I mean, that's not just one generation; it's two generations. Yeah, and it has a, and it also has nothing to do with gender because, by the way, my last like girlfriend was that young when we had started dating, and 
And it was exactly like you said, it was a disaster. I mean, it's like, I felt like I didn't understand anything she said. I was like, okay, I know we have things in common, but this just is weird. <laughs> yeah. How long did you guys date for? It was like two years. Like, it was a long time. But a lot of that was fighting. I mean, it was like, there were big, big portions in there where it was like, I just can't deal with you. For, like, give me like three weeks off. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And how did you meet her? From Twitter. So it felt, I mean, so it wasn't a dating app, but it was organic enough that we would talk all the time online or, you know, through DMs and stuff like that. And then it turned out that we lived in the same area. So it was like, oh, hey, well, let's go for drinks. Yeah, see, I think Twitter is a great tool for meeting people. Um, I haven't met any guys on Twitter because the majority of people I follow and who follow me are, you know, a bunch of awesome, badass feminist women. Um, but yeah, I can remember being the 20 something year old, like the 20 year old and the 20 and 21 and with somebody much, much older and thinking it was fine. And now that I'm old <laughs> and middle aged, I'm like, no, it is not fine. Like, it's totally different now that I'm on this side. Yeah, it really is. It's um, like I I'm 35 and I can't imagine dating somebody in their early twenties. Like I just can't, it's just, I don't know. I actually went to an event the other night, um, at a sex toy store and they were having, um, a discussion about like vibrators, you know, and they had two women from two different generations talking about it. And, um, the girls that were there, the majority of the girls that were there were all in their early 20s and each one thought that they were going to be the next Carrie Bradshaw and they just had this like twinkle in their eye of I don't know it it made me jealous in a way because I just I remember being that age and remember being so clueless but yet really thinking I had life figured out um so I can see how that would be charming to want to date somebody that age at first but then reality kicks in and you're like I, I I don't know. I just think it would be very difficult with that type of. I will say this. It definitely does make you feel younger. Like you're suddenly able, you know, you're staying out late and, you know, and you are, you know, I don't know if it's listening to different music and dressing differently and whatever. It can make you feel really exciting and make you feel like you have a revitalization. Oh, yeah, but I'm sure. It's, so incredibly superficial so don't do it Um, (laughs) but you know but then so speaking of Facebook when so when we broke up and we're amicable now but it was a terrible breakup at the time but it's years later so um, but now Facebook has this thing where you can break up with a person if you've set your relationship status and then you break up that it's supposed to unfriend and like unfollow and untag them without putting out I guess it's not supposed to put out that big announcement because you know when you do something on on one of those statuses it posts to your wall and says so and so got engaged um so I don't think it's like hey guess what they broke up I don't think it's like that but it's supposed to somehow untag them or give you the options of do you want you know how silent do you want this person to be now in your life and I, I, I like tried to get information from people on Twitter and on Facebook. Hey, has anybody tried this? What happens? And nobody seems to know what it does. But I mean, it's interesting that it exists. But I then I, it, it, not to interrupt you, but I actually wrote about this, um, and they haven't rolled it out completely. Like it's slowly gonna be available for, you know, um, like people here, people there. So it isn't like. It isn't it isn't an option for everybody just yet. They plan to like roll it out in the next like few months. Um, yeah, but I think it's a, I think what they're trying to do, and I don't think that they've actually finished how they're going to do it. Um, I mean, it sounds good in theory, but at the same time, it requires your willpower of choosing. Like, you need to be untagged, or you don't want to see this, or you don't want to see that. So personally, I think when a relationship comes to an end. You just fucking block them and move on. Right. And that was, um, I I mean, I guess it depends on how bad it is. Like blocking is sometimes for your own sanity, just so you don't see their stuff. Um, 
I mean, I'll once in a while I'll do that with even people on Twitter that I like. I'll just be like, I have to mute you because I just don't need to see you for a while. Yeah. Um, so, and thinking of that though, there was uh, on the the Indi- Times of India website, Time uh, their newspaper over there. There was yeah a New York based therapist that they quoted Ian Kerner who said that if you want a healthy relationship, you should unfriend your spouse on Facebook. So that way you have your own private space, cyber speaking, (laughs) Um, that you, because it is even living in the same house together, you have no space. That's your own unless you have a giant house. So in the, on the internet, you should have your own space too. So this time, I mean, I know that your relationship was maybe non-traditional because it was, you had some months where it was long distance, so were you Facebook friends? Um, we were Facebook friends. Um, but the thing was, my husband um, is um, 13 years older than me. He's 48. And so he wasn't really on Facebook that much. And I found that I do think that for some couples, not being friends on Facebook works. For us personally, it was fine because like, I'm not the type of person who gets on there and, you know, spills like, oh, I had such a bad day and blah, blah. I'm just not one of those. Um, I post my articles. I post, you know, TLC lyrics to scrubs like a normal human being does. And um, I support this. <laughs> I love that song. Um, yeah. So it it wasn't a problem for us, but I do know that I have friends who aren't who are friends with their partner on Facebook, but it creates problems because all of a sudden the ex boyfriend like comments on a photo or comments on a status and all hell breaks loose. But I think that if you are secure in your relationship, the fact that some ex from college pops up and says, Oh, you look really great here, it shouldn't, you know, end up in a World War Three type of situation. This this leads in really well to um, one of the other things that I wanted to talk to you about, uh, because when enough time has passed, I think it's easier to move on. Everybody's healed and new relationships happen and you've dated six other people in between or whatever. And on a forum on one of, you know, like the Facebook public uh, pages, somebody had asked, you know, would you would you ever forbid contact with an ex? You know, would you ever tell your spouse or your partner or whatever that they could not have contact with their ex? And it was the word forbid that comes off really alarming and be like, no, because you're, you know, why should you tell somebody else what to do? But I was literally, I think the only person that said, I don't think there's anything wrong with asking them to cut off ties with their ex while you build your relationship. And then, you know, if time passes, they want to refriend them, then fine. But I think while you're setting down your own roots, you can, you, you know, you should be allowed to focus on whatever your your relationship is. And other people brought up things like, oh, well, if the person's an addict or if the person was abusive, then yeah, they should be blocked. I'm like, I'm like, I'm not even thinking of that. I'm just, you know, I think the question was just, can you, you know, be with somebody who's friends with their ex? And I think the term friend is probably too vague. I mean, because there's Facebook friends of people who never freaking talk. And then there are people who are still in each other's lives regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would depend on how the relationship ended. Like, I think if I was with somebody and they did the breaking up and the person that they dumped still has feelings for them. Um, like you said, I wouldn't want them to be friends with them as I'm trying to solidify this new relationship. Uh, Just because as somebody who has been dumped, I know that whenever I did hang out with um, my ex, like all these feelings would come back and we'd end up getting into a fight. And I'm sure he would go back to his girlfriend and be like, oh, man, just fucking crazy again. Because, you know, guys just love to call a woman crazy when she's being emotional. Um, So... I think it would depend. Like if it was a mutual breakup, like the love died, they grew apart and they want to be friends for the rest of their life because they had 
such a great friendship because I've had relationships where the friendship part was far more important to me than the sexual part of the relationship. So I think in those cases, it's fine. But because you never know, like, they could go out with that, you know, ex. And if there's even a hint of feelings there, it's not going to take much for a glass or two of wine to make them think, oh, wow, maybe I still love them. And then they end up like hooking up and then they come home and you finally have to pull it out of them. What happened? And I don't know, but I've also had a point in my life where because my trust has been so broken, um, I don't really think I'm in a place to trust anybody. So that's also a factor. Yeah. I think that that, that's a huge factor, obviously. And in poly relationships, they, they say that if you don't trust each other, then it's, you know, the wrong relationship. But that's, that's a specifically like that was a specifically posed as a poly question. And to me, I'm like, well, that's really relatable, even in monogamous relationships. And, um, and I do just think time is a factor. And I think, you know, especially everybody's situations are gonna be different. Like if you have kids together, that's going to be different because I don't know, then, you know, maybe that's a definitive. Yes. I want to be online friends with this person or in person socially with this person because we have to be in the same room together for parties. And, you know, that just is a whole big giant world. And I've, I've been through that world and it was miserable. And that was thank God before Facebook existed. Um, you know, I just, I can't imagine going through that kind of nightmare with online tools at the same time. Yeah, that's just whew, a little overwhelming. Yeah, really. And, but yeah, so for me, anyway, I tried to, I tried to answer the question when it was posed was, you know, I think it's, I think it's reasonable to say people need to, you know, time to set down their own roots before you can be friends. Cause there are plenty of exes of mine that I would be fine being, you know, not social with, but civil with. Yeah. I totally agree with you. But that's really different than saying, Oh, I'm going to go out to dinner with so-and-so or whatever. Yeah. I agree. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of where I stand, but you know, I thought it was an interesting question and I was surprised at how, nobody agreed with me. <laughs> I think the word forbid is just really, I think it's a terrible word. It is yeah. like you, if you love somebody and you care about them, you don't forbid them. I mean, you don't stand there and shake your finger at them and say, I forbid you to do X, Y, and Z. I, I, that word is just, mm-hmm. I can understand discouraging it or suggesting, you know, telling your partner, honestly, like it makes me uncomfortable if you, you know, spend time with your ex. Like, I'm just wondering if we could maybe talk about it. Like, I think that that's the best way to approach it. You don't, I forbid yeah. you. That's just open and honest, open and honest all the time, all the time. I preach it. I say it like a broken record, open and honest. Exactly. Always. Yeah. So now, you know, now that we've, we've both talked about how we've been through these, you know, breakups that have sometimes just withered away and then bad breakups too. Did you, um, did you see the post by Paulette Perhatch from the billfold about the fuck off fund? Yes. And it's amazing how many of my friends posted that on Facebook when that came out. I'm like, did you people never think of this before? I was, I'm, I'm always, I don't know why I'm surprised. I, I, I really need to stop being surprised by the internet. Um, because it'll be, you know, some article written by somebody 20 years younger than me or whatever. And they'll think that this is like some brilliant thing that they thought of. And it's like, okay, my grandmother told me this. <laughs> but did your grandmother call it a fuck off fund? No, okay. my, no. But she did say to, you know, control your own money and you should, you know, she had money hidden all over her house. <laughs> <laughs> um, which was interesting when she died. We'd be like, oh, look, found another tinfoil, you know, pile of money. <laughs> Um, so the fuck off fund is supposedly that you should basically squirrel money away so that should a relationship, whether it's a job relationship, like a relationship like that, a professional thing where you need to get the hell out of your job or an actual personal relationship 
that you need to get the hell away from, that you will have squirreled away some money and you can just move out or say, I quit or take off, you know. Um, so that is a novelty that is not something I think most people I know could even do. Uh, short of just collecting the change that maybe falls in your car floor, <laughs> and, which might amount to $40 by the end of a year. Um, I, I, I mean, I don't know. I think it's like, I think it's a great idea, but I think it's maybe not the most realistic thing. So with your ups and downs of relationships, have you ever like actually taken that step and created your own secret fund well, I have never, even when I was married, um, we didn't share any bank accounts. And that's the way I wanted to keep it uh, because I'm somebody who works 50 or 60 hours a week and he was somebody who worked 12 or 15 hours a week. Um, and I, I, to be quite honest, I make more in like one or two days than he makes a week. And because he he needs to nap, Amber, he needs to nap a lot. So, um, so I guess in some way I've always had a fuck off fund and that my finances are mine and I do have a savings account for a rainy day, so to speak, or if, you know, the shit hits the fan and I need like backup cash, but, um, yeah, I just, I guess I've always had one. I've just never thought of calling it a fuck off fund. It's mostly like this is my money that I, in case something goes wrong, I have it right here. And I, I don't, living in New York and paying the rent that I pay and being a freelance writer, obviously I'm not some rich girl who can put a ton of money into that fund, my savings account, but I do try to put in a few hundred dollars a month and I never touch it, like never, ever, ever touch it, um, no matter what happens. Like if I get a Verizon bill and and I don't have enough money in my checking account, the Verizon bill is going to have to wait until I get my next freelance check. Everything that goes in that fund does not come out. Okay. So there you go. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think my grandmother knew what she was doing. Oh, yeah, definitely. But, Your grandmother was, you know, ahead of her times, clearly. Yeah. It was also her house because it had been her mother's house. Her, so she grew up there. So it was like three generations had lived in this house at one point. Um, which was why it was really painful to sell it, but um, it turned into kind of a ghetto. So, um, but it was it was painful to let go of that house. But that's the thing. So I I think it was um, a real matriarch situation there. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Which I thought was pretty pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. Um, so where can people keep track of these advice columns of yours and everything? Because I know that. Um, would you mention Glamour? Yes, I just started earlier. writing um, for Glamour the end of August. So I write for them on a fairly regular basis. Um, I'm also at Bustle and Your Tango, where I write about uh, sex relationships. And I also write for Mike.com, in which I cover um, sex and relationships, but more from like a, more from like a political uh, stance. So those are my that that those are the ones I write for on a regular basis. There are a couple other ones here and there, but those are the big ones. Do you know what you're going to be Netflixing <laughs> for Valentine's Day? Um, I'm not sure. Probably some horror movies. That's what I did last horror year. Movies. Yeah, that's oh. what I did last year because uh, my husband at the time was in Paris, and I was going to join him like a month later. And so I spent Valentine's Day eating pizza from Lombardi's Pizza down in Little Italy, had that delivered, and watched um, Seven and Silence of the Lambs, which are two of my favorite movies. Um, Both of which will give me nightmares, so I go nowhere near them. I have sat through Seven. Silence of the Lambs, I couldn't even see. Oh, God. I love them. They're like, those are my top ten. Um yeah, so I watched those, and then so on, so I could watch something a little lighter before I went to bed. I actually watched Jaws. Oh, my favorite all all time. Yeah, that that's yeah. one of my favorites of all time. I actually have a Jaws tattoo that I just got 
um, back in November on my thigh. And it's, it's so awesome. I wanted this tattoo for so long and I finally did it. It has like the little boat. It has Quint's boat. And then underneath it, um, like in a wave, it says you're going to need a bigger boat. And then there's Jaws. I love it. Yeah. And I thought it was kind of great because of everything that had been going on. Like it wasn't just an ode to this movie that I love, 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 but it's also a metaphor for life. Like sometimes you need a bigger boat. (laughs) Yeah. Like, like you're taking on water, you're taking on too much. Exactly. And you just need a bigger one. You just need a bigger. Yeah. Absolutely. If um, if you guys are looking for ideas, um, A Girlfriend's Guide to Divorce Season 1 is on Netflix. So if you're, you're looking for things that have complete ups and downs of relationships, that's a, a good one to marathon. And um, if you're feeling, I don't know, schmoopy and romantic, Parks and Rec is always something I throw on, like almost daily. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, I had The Office playing today, and it was the, the episode where Jim proposes to Pam. And as much as I love their ups and downs, I think his proposal sucked. Wait, didn't he propose, like, on a highway? Yeah. Yeah. It was, a, like, a fucking rest stop in the rain in front of a gas station. That's sort like, of was. Okay, yeah. Freaking terrible. So terrible. Do better. Do better. Yeah, definitely. Did he get that <laughs> on his knee and all that shit, too? I can't remember. Yeah. He did, yeah. Yeah, he did, in the rain. Um, you know, it's not that the rain was bad. It's just like a rest stop, really, Jim. <laughs> yeah, there's no romance in a rest stop. Yeah, sorry. Um, so yeah, so that's uh, so I'm not sure what I will be marathoning. Probably something. I I actually I'm we've been going through White Collar and Leverage, you know, which for me is a repeat watch because they're favorites of mine too. And so um, I've never seen either one of those. They're both on USA or T- one of them's on TNT. Oh, yeah. Leverage was, I think, TNT. Okay. But, yeah, they're on Netflix. So if you feel like just parking your butt for a while and watching people steal things, <laughs> those are the go-to shows in my book. They're exciting. And especially you might like White Collar a lot because it's in New York. Okay. Maybe I'll look into that. Yeah. Um so leverage, I think they typically set in Boston, and eventually, I think they move it to Portland. I actually had um, a friend who briefly dated um, Timothy Hutton. Oh, he's adorable. I know he really is adorable. He's always been. He's a uh, part of, I guess, my generation. He's not part of your generation. He's like in his sixties. Well, yeah, but he was like a teen heartthrob though when when I was young. So I loved him at Ordinary People. Yeah, we had to actually watch that in college. Really? For, yeah, I had I had a film appreciation class and a psychology class that made us watch that because of the um depression and suicide aspect. Yeah, I guess I guess so. And it was one of those things where I I remember not even wanting to watch it back then and just like and then I had to watch it again. <laughs> no, I'm not, I think I actually like didn't even bother. It was one of those assignments I totally like skated through. That's actually one of the few DVDs that I own. Oh, that's too depressing. I know. That's why I love it. Depressing and serial killers. That's like, that's my scene. <laughs> sometimes, and I, and it's one of those things where sometimes when you're, you're depressed, I, it's comforting to see that it exists elsewhere and it's not just you. That's true. I totally agree so, on that one. You know, so I, I wouldn't recommend if you're the type to get further, further down in your depression, but if you want to feel not alone, maybe, you know find something where it's touched upon to you. But, um, you know, otherwise, a lot of times if I'm depressed, I'll just need something that's cheerful and stupid and happy, like psych. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, and, you know, and leverage is always good. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm not sure what we'll be doing. We'll probably just be buried under eight feet of snow anyway. Yeah, we probably will. February, I think, is going to be a really snowy month anyways. Because mm-hmm. it's been so mild, like unbelievable. By the way, is it snowing where you are yet? Well, now it's pitch black, so I can't tell. Oh yeah, it's five forty-six. Oh, I can't. Yeah, but um, it's. I think it's supposed to start like in the middle of the night and then go until late the next day. Okay. So it hasn't started yet. Okay. We'll find out. Actually, by the time that airs, it'll be really funny because it'll be past ten. <laughs> um, yeah. 
So I don't know. But anyway, so stay warm and enjoy your Netflix. Thank you. You too. And thank, thank you so much for spending time with me. Thank you so much for having me. And guys, you can uh, find out other things about Amanda at amandachatel.com. Um, I think your Twitter was what? Angry Chatel? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, uh, my, my Twitter is at Elizabeth Amber, and you can find everything else at amberunmasked.com. Please go to patreon.com slash amberunmasked and support the show on the website. And uh, have a great St. Dwinwin Day to you all. Bye.